Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Blossom and Root, a nature-based Charlotte Mason-inspired homeschool curriculum company that has been gently guiding and supporting families for years. This thoughtful, age-appropriate curriculum begins at the preschool level and acts as a much-needed resource for this underserved age group. Blossom and Roots Early Years Volumes 1 and 2 are valuable tools for parents with young children, whether you choose to pursue homeschool or not. The information and ideas are easy to follow, fun, and engaging. School-age curricula are also available, with more being released each year. It's the curriculum my family uses and loves. For more information about Blossom and Root and a discount code for Elevating Motherhood listeners, go to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. Joining us today is Sonia Nice, a mom of two and co-founder of the Pacific Birth Collective. Sonia had reached out to me wanting to talk about expectations and motherhood, a topic that I think needs to be talked about way more and on many levels when it comes to mothering. It's one that we're going to discuss many times on the show and from a variety of angles. Today, Sonia is going to share the beginning of her story and what the loss and grieving of expectations look like for her. She's also going to share some surprising medical information I hadn't heard about before today, as well as some practical tips for how to process the loss of our expectations when we become mothers. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here and being willing to share your story and your time with us. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am born and raised on Maui and went off to school um, on the mainland in Colorado and really started to dive into my work with birth there. Um, birth is my passion, my, uh, my, my heartfelt draw to this world and, and where I want to send a lot of my energy to. Um, and I really discovered that when I was in college um, and I was taking some courses in cultural anthropology. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I started to look at home birth versus hospital birth. Um, and how those outcomes affected moms and babies and, and all of that. Um, how old were you then? I was 18. Wow. Yeah. And it just hit a chord. It just really resonated. I mean, I read this book, The Red Tent, actually in high school, and um, it has a wonderful story about a midwife. And it was, you know, all these pieces started to come together, and, and I really started to realize how passionate I was on this topic. Um, so my thesis uh, was opening a birthing center for Maui. Oh gosh, we need that so bad. Yes. So bad. Yes. Wow. And it's a vision that's been held by many um, on Maui for many years. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, I've, you know, talking to midwives and um, doulas and just people in the community. I mean, it's, there's always energy drawing on this topic, but hasn't been able to really move forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh man, that's a expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Lost, uh, I hope we don't lose and we actually get to gain back 
Oh man. So then, um, so you were in college, you did your thesis on this and from a, from a young age. And then where did that work take you? Yeah. So then, um, I was eager to get back home, um, home ish. So I moved to Oahu and pursued my master's in public health. And I actually didn't really know much about what a master's in public health was. I just right. was like, okay, next step, let's do more school. And, um, but it was perfect. It was a perfect fit into what I wanted to do. So I studied social and behavioral health and maternal and child health and, um, took it, my passion to a more practical hands-on experience. So that's where I started to get trained as a doula and start to help women, um, as a doula and, and working in that way. Were you a doula before you had kids? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was a doula at 22. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There is this exciting energy about it, about birth, and it's just so powerful, and there is a draw to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised at all that when, when women say that they're drawn to it at a really young age, even before they have their own kids. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's so exciting. And so now you are a, a doula and a postpartum doula? Um, I'm actually just a birth doula. Okay. Um, I part as part of the Pacific Birth Collective. So essentially, af- after I did my master's program, um, I moved home to Maui. And though the birth center is, you know, what we really want to see happen here, I saw that some critical steps had to happen first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of roadblocks and pol- it gets really political with um, trying to open a birth center. Mm-hmm. And I re- really quickly realized that a lot of the birth professionals and postpartum professionals serving the women weren't really connected or united in any kind of way. Um, and I felt that that was essential, that we all come together in unity first, that that piece needs to happen. And then we can start to look at a common shared vision of how to serve our families with the um, I love that. And one of the themes, one of the undercurrents that I really want to highlight here on the show is this slowing down and making connections and, you know, dreaming and wanting things to be a certain way, but then recognizing that there are certain steps along the way. There's also needs that can be filled and met along the way and we're still of service so even if that the birth center hasn't happened yet which I firmly believe it will um, there are still needs that need to be met in the meantime and and you're meeting them so I think that's amazing because as a birth doula you are then seeing the transformation into motherhood um, from day one from moment one Um, so do you find that moms who have just given birth that their expectations aren't met either during birth or shortly after birth? Yeah, well, birth is a tricky one. Um, so I'm a birth doula and I'm also a childbirth educator and the two obviously go hand in hand. Um, one of the things that I, an exercise I have my expectant parents, um, do in my childbirth ed class, I really like them to create birth plans, Mm -hmm. um, because it's great to think through all the different things that might happen, um, in the process of childbirth. And then I want them to burn the birth plan. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have them like really get into it and figure out like what it is they do want and don't want and, and really know that for themselves but then I need them to let it go. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you can't plan birth. 
Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful message um, because the point of a birth plan isn't what a lot of people think it is. Even the people creating birth plans, even the people reading birth plans, they're seeing it as, oh, you're trying to magically manifest it going this way. But it's not about that. It's about the process of educating yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do latch onto that too tight and it becomes an expectation, I can see where basically from moment one or even leading up to moment one of becoming a mother, you could you could feel okay. let down. Yeah, you can feel failure. I've, I've certainly helped some mamas where, you know, a natural birth was the goal. And, yeah. And they ended up needing an epidural and, and that was her, their birth process. And it, you know... My goal as a doula is to make sure that the mama has made empowered choices throughout. Mm-hmm. And whether those choices are to have an epidural or not, you know, she's the one guiding that boat. So um, it's really unfortunate and you have to really work with these mamas because they really hold tightly sometimes on to, I failed as a mother because I couldn't achieve the goal that I had set for myself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Full confession. I am literally like that mom you just described. <laughs> um, hardcore, natural birth, birth plan, all of this. Knew it was about the education, not the thing. Um, and uh, and something you said made me feel actually a sense of relief because I did feel empowered to steer the boat. And I was very firm. And it was in the process of working with my doulas and creating the birth plan and educating myself that I felt empowered to steer that ship. Mm-hmm. So even when I was met, I swear at every turn with some sort of resistance or like, oh, that's just not the way we do things. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> we can do it that way. And it's my preference. And and then I felt strong enough to, to speak my preference. And sometimes it happened and sometimes it didn't. And then I ended up with an epidural. Because I ended up being induced because of high blood pressure and all of these things. And it kind of like came spiraling out of control. And there were some things. And I definitely felt a sense of failure. I mean, I'm almost six years removed from it now. So it's a little lighter. But yeah, I'm glad you said that out loud because I am literally that person you described. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have expectations about what motherhood would look like for you? Yeah, I mean, from very early on, I loved babies. I was obsessed with them. Was that Same. <laughs> that little girl that was just like, where's the baby? Oh, yeah. Um, begged my mom to have another, but I was the fourth, and she was she was done. Um, yeah, and I think just like any, any woman, I had a lot of the expectations that you would, you know, that kind of come with motherhood. Just really simple things like your baby cooing and... Um, you know, having your family and, and watching them learn to crawl and walk and talk and, and really grow. So, I mean, there's a lot that I didn't even realize I was holding as expectations for motherhood um, until I didn't have it. That sense. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my, um, as you mentioned, I have two, two children. Um, my son Denali's three months old. And um, I also have a daughter, uh, Naya, and she um, she was born with a condition that uh, it's called SCN1A. It's a gene mutation that causes seizures mm. and um, uncontrolled seizures. So medications don't um, prevent the seizures from happening. Um, and we had no idea. So she you know, healthy pregnancy, healthy birth, you know, healthy baby. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> um, at eight weeks of age, she had her first seizure and it really caught us off guard. 
Um, and it's hard because, you know, being a childbirth educator and I see some of these expectant parents, you know, meet, meeting my daughter, they get really freaked out because they're like, oh my God, wait, you had no idea. Like this could be something for me. And I, hmm. I want to say we're definitely the, the exception. Like it's a very rare, um, sure. very rare gene sure. mutation. Yeah. So she, so we were caught off guard with that. And part of her condition is that, um, in terms of developmental processes, she really didn't, you know, go beyond a two month old. So Mm. she had really, um, low motor control. She had visual impairment. Um, she couldn't walk, talk, crawl, sit. So she, you know, when she was a little baby, you didn't really notice, but as she got older, you started to really see the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's hard. That's a lot of hard information um, to take in. And it sounds like you said there was no indication and it caught you by surprise. So then you were not only dealing with all of that, but then that just being caught off guard too. Yeah. I mean, I was thankful that she wasn't born and seizures starting right away. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of nice to have that postpartum time to really heal and become a new mama and all that hard stuff because that's hard enough it is um and yeah so I was grateful in the sense that it was at eight weeks when I finally just started to feel a little bit more like myself Mm -hmm. um to be handed a pretty um intense situation but yeah so it you know it was it was a long journey that was the beginning of a very long journey and it's it's one of these sort of ironic things because um, I'm actually BRCA2 positive. Right. That's the medical thing. Uh, when you first told me about that, I, I was like, oh, new information. I, I didn't know about this um, or what can come from having this. So you said it's called BRCA2 positive. Yeah, BRCA2. So there's a one and a two and I'm two. Oh, okay. And um, it's actually, it's, it's common-ish, you know, not... Not everybody has it. Um, I think they're starting to test for it more more now. If you have a family history of breast cancer, oh, is that what it? That's what it leads yeah, to. Yeah, sorry, it's, a, it's an okay. increased risk of breast and ovarian cancer. Like pretty intense. Like eighty percent chance I'll be getting breast or ovarian cancer in my lifetime. Wow. And that risk increases the older I get. So, it's a lot of monitoring and um, surveillance, and it's something that I inherited from my mother. Um, so it's, it's a gene mutation that gets passed down, um, to only from like woman to woman or can they pass it to boys too? Yeah. To boys too. So it's, it's just every child has a 50, 50 chance of, um, for that gene mutation to be passed down. Um, and so our family has a really unfortunate statistics, um, happening because my mother had it, my aunt had it, her sister my cousin, he has the gene mutation. My brother, my oldest brother has the gene mutation. My sister has the gene mutation. I do as well. And so it's like, wow. Like, if you're rolling the dice, we just happen to be unfortunate in that way. And um, I think you had mentioned to me that if both parents have it. Yeah. So if both parents, and this is, you know, we... With my daughter's condition, and it was it's like we had to become mini experts in genetics yeah. as well as um, you know neurological issues, and both are very complicated. And both, I we very quickly came to to realize there's just not a lot of information on. Um, like our medical field 
in general is amazing. And in those two areas, they're like unknown frontiers. Like mm-hmm. there's, they know a lot, but there's so much they can't answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things they can. So like with BRCA, if um, a mother and a father both carry the gene mutation and there's a 25% chance that their child will have something called Fanconi anemia. And this is what happened for my brother. He's 20 years older than me, and he and his wife had a daughter um, many, many years ago. And she had this condition, and it was a really, you know, rare thing, and it caused a lot of issues, and she ended up passing away at three and a half. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was a hard hard thing for the whole family and for them, for mm-hmm. sure. But what your daughter had was not that, and not, not a result that. of your BRCA. No. But so that's what was so so interesting is, you know, having watched my brother go through this experience, um, I knew that it was, and that's actually how I found out I was a bracket carrier was, you know, when they diagnosed her, they did this whole tracing back and I was like, oh, you know, we all carry this gene mutation. <laughs> Denali is with us. <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's only three months old and he's having his little lunchy. <laughs> um, so when I became pregnant, I knew that it was important to get my partner tested because if he also was a BRCA2 carrier then we would have the same yeah (laughs) we'd have the same um, chances of having a kid with the same condition Mm -hmm. so we went through all these hoops with insurance and the doctors to get him tested and I wanted to be tested early pregnant had the testing and he didn't have it he didn't have it okay so it was just one of these life lessons where, you know, I found out I'm pregnant. Um, we weren't planning to get pregnant. We got pregnant on our wedding day. Well, those oh, <laughs> I was four months pregnant when I got married. Yeah. It was planned, but kind of not too. <laughs> right, exactly. We were like, oh, okay, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Um, so it, I wanted to get him te- my partner tested early in pregnancy um, just so we knew what was going to be coming our way. Sure. And oh, that's a lot as newlyweds even. Yes. I mean, you've got a lot of factors in here that are really adding up yeah. with this story. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the idea being that I'm, like, trying to be this very responsible mom, and I, I know I have this genetic condition that could result in this, and so I'm trying to cross my T's and dot my I's, and, okay, my husband's not a carrier, so now we're not at risk for this gene mutation. Who has a very different gene mutation. So it's like... No matter how prepared you are and how much your energy you're putting in and, and trying to do and set things up the right way, life really can just throw you a whole new direction, and that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with this whole new direction, um, you know, life happening, life doing its mm-hmm. thing and throwing your curveballs and all of that, the expectations were kind of still there like underlying so and I feel like that's how it is for a lot of moms you know we have expectations going into it then reality hits and and then we have to decide to to stay in that stay in that and kind of like the funk that comes along with it or change it um so I guess my question for you is when was it that you realized you needed to change or let go of the expectations you had yeah, um, that's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think the first expectation I had was for my baby to look me like deep in my eyes for that soul connect that like really made me recognize me as her mother. Yeah, and I never got it. And 
that's like the first, like one of the first things babies do with a mom is that like eye contact mm-hmm. in there. And, um, and so it was really hard cause I kept wanting to experience it, but I also learning about her condition was starting to realize that it may be something I was never going to get. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was sort of balancing this. Like I didn't want to lose hope that she could gain these skills. Right. Um, these, the ability to, you know, verbalize and, and talk and connect and, you know, grab and touch and hug. And it felt like if I let go of those expectations, I was letting go of hope that she could actually achieve those things. Mm-hmm. So that was what I was grappling with for a very long time. And I remember... You know, we have one of those really cute baby books where yeah. they have the pre-written, like, right in the date they had, they first sat up or the first time they rolled over. And mm-hmm. I started filling the whole thing out. And I just really started to kept coming back to that baby book and being like, wow, we're not hitting these milestones. Um, she had more of what we called inch stones, you know. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great thought. Yeah, it was, it was like she really, she moved at a whole new level, a whole new pace. And each one of those, like, inch stones she would accomplish was huge. It was yeah. just so different than what was normal and what was expected. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I did the, there wasn't, like, a hard moment when I realized I needed to let go of expectations. It kind of actually came more gradually. Um, more, I'd say, probably around when she was two and a half. We had gone to Ecuador for some medical treatments. And, um, it was a whole journey and we can have a whole nother talk on that. Sure. Let's do it. Um, but she, in the end we came back and she started to really, you know, fit into her body more like come into her energy and her, her space. And that was really beautiful to see. And at the same time, my husband and I also began to let go, let go of like an expectation that she was going to walk, that she was going to talk that all these things were going to happen and instead kind of met her where she was at mm-hmm. in that moment. And when we were able to do that, it was like life eased up in a huge way. It was like, it was like a huge exhale. We were like, okay. For all of you? Yeah. Including her? I think, yeah, absolutely. I think it almost like allowed her to then be who she was in, in her body and in mm-hmm. her presence and and in this life, right? And did you start to, did that look like a certain thing? Well, we started to see her become more aware and more interactive and, oh, wow. and, and be able to really cue in on things. And, and she was in there. It was just that, you know, she was kind of looking through different eyes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so part of how it's sort of like that. I think we, we, as her parents, by like shifting that expectation and letting it go of, you know, her meeting these normal standards mm-hmm. and allowing her to be herself. And part of it too is maybe, you know, we weren't seeing that she was connecting with us the, all that time, but we were trying to see a different kind of connection, if that makes sense. It like, makes total sense. Yeah. I'm over here nodding just, <laughs> yes, wholeheartedly. I agree with that. Um, what kind of expectations do you feel like society puts on moms gosh there's so much there is um and just just uh this is going to be a whole topic for yeah. a future show for sure um but I just like to lately touch on that now because I feel like societal expectations even the baby book example 
is like just, mm -hmm. you know, we expect norm. Yeah. We expect cookie cutter. Yeah. And, and at the, at the baseline, at the very bottom, there is no such thing as cookie cutter. There is no such thing as the same in yeah. general. I, it's, I feel like there's a lot of expectations and social media has propelled that in a really big way for yeah. a lot of mamas. Um, I mean, there's one that just came to mind right now. You know, every month the baby turns the next, you know, they're one month, now they're two months. Mm -hmm. Usually I see a lot of my friends posting a picture of their baby. But I, I have the stickers. Yeah. I have the stickers. And it's super cute and awesome and I love it. But I think there's a bit of a guilt behind it too that if you don't do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you don't I didn't do, do it, it with then... my third, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I, I held on to guilt every time she hit that milestone and I had missed it because yeah. we were too busy doing life. Yeah. And was it, is it really a milestone is like turning eight months old? Really a mile? I don't know. Yeah. But it is a lot of pressure. It's an it's expectation. A lot of, it yeah. is. So that's, a, that's a societal expectation. That, for sure. You know, we partly, I feel like moms are we're our own worst critics too. Yeah. So a lot of what we think is a societal expectation, you know, I didn't notice that you never posted about your, right. you know, but, but you knew you didn't. Right. And that's where I... Or that I took it a week late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then took her next month picture two weeks later to be early <laughs> and she looks the same. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. That is an expectation. That is interesting. That yeah. is interesting. So I think in Hawaii in general, we're, we're actually a little bit softer we're a little bit kinder i agree our mamas i think there's a lot less judgment than we're we even think is out there i agree wholeheartedly that's actually one of the one of the reasons i'm gonna have a lot of maui moms on the podcast is because i think that there are so many of us who are working through these issues not avoiding them not skirting around them we're being open and honest and vulnerable with each other we're offering a listening ear and a helping hand a lot of the times and and that is our norm yeah. And, and that's more of the expectation, but then we still do have the influences of social media and yeah. like, yeah. if you were raised in, on, on a different, in a different place and a different mindset and all of that. So I, I do appreciate that yeah. about Maui and Hawaii. Yeah. There's sort of this, um, more openness to different parenting styles. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would agree wholeheartedly for the mom to be who's listening from a Maui mom to her, <laughs> what advice would you have for her about expectations before and just after a baby comes along? Maybe you could share from a Maui mom perspective, but then also a doula perspective yeah. too. It's so funny. I actually was just at my friend's house who gave birth um, two weeks ago and gosh, there's so much. I think a lot of it is being kind to yourself, <laughs> being patient, um, I think there's just, there's so much that we hold on to mm -hmm. and it's a matter of, and I guess really the first step is awareness, like awareness I of agree. what it is we're holding on to. Yeah. Um, the mama that I just referenced, you know, I went over to her house and she's got a two week old baby who is not sleeping, um, during the day, like big, long stretches, not sleeping. And that's not the norm. Usually newborns are pretty sleepy mm -hmm. and she's just so getting caught up in and frustrated and holding on to um, the fact that her baby needs to sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's very normal, yeah. you know, and it's, I can understand how 
you know, you, you're like, wait, this isn't matching what, what right, I thought. Right, that cookie cutter, what yeah. we're told sleep is supposed to look like. Boy, the sleep is a big one. There's going to be multiple episodes about sleep, sleep right. deprivation, and then right. our expectations surrounding sleep for sure. That's right. a hard one. It is a hard one. And so... Letting go of that is brilliant yeah. advice. <laughs> I gave it yeah. to myself with baby number two and three and made myself crazy by holding on too tight to it with baby number one. Yes, and that's typical. I think Mm -hmm. we see that mamas with a second or third or fourth, fifth baby. Yeah. (laughs) They tend to let go a a lot faster because they've learned it, but it's usually the first time mamas that... It, and it's new. They don't. I, and right. I, I was there too. Like, right. I had no There's, idea. I, I could read a million books and yeah. 10 million moms could tell me this. But just in case we can be that little voice in their ear just yes. saying like, hey, when this, <laughs> when you're extra tired and the sleep thing comes up, just if you could just give yourself some grace yes. and the baby some grace and yes. just let it go yes. and ask for help. <laughs> let it go and ask for help. And that's, um, and that's what I kind of, I just, I think in my way of helping her, I just sort of shifted and trying to understand like her goals like oh good one was the baby you know is your goal that the baby sleep because she's getting too tired and overtired then yeah then we need to do some things to encourage baby to sleep but I also just gently reminded them that you know the baby can also just she's awake you don't actually have to keep your eyes on her like glued onto her 24 7 or you could have a friend or mother mm-hmm. someone to come and be there and That's just hard. let her be mm-hmm. and just let her be she doesn't need to be stimulated. She doesn't need mm-hmm. to be held all the time. It was hard, but it was, they were like, oh, like that yeah. grace that like, oh, it can be different. Mm-hmm. So I say all this from hindsight, which is 2020. Um, but I will tell you that the first six weeks after yes. I brought my first baby home were terrible. They were terrible. And it was my first moment of not dealing with and dealing with expectations and loss of expectations because and specifically surrounding sleep so it's kind of funny you mentioned that because we weren't sleeping and I thought that sleep had to look like me in the bed with you know with my pillows with my nursing pillow ready with my baby in the perfect swaddle in the perfect position in the perfect cradle right next to my bed And then when she woke up, I had to change her diaper and turn on the light and get the nursing pillow and have everything ready and have my water because I felt like I'd been dropped in a desert and, and all of these things. And I would wake myself up and, and I thought I had to nurse on both sides equally and time it all on an app on my phone. And I literally did this. I made myself crazy. I made my husband crazy. We made each other crazy. We actually said the nastiest things we've ever said to each other in the first six weeks postpartum. And that was really hard for me. It, it actually just like makes my milk let down talking about it yeah. <laughs> um, because it was really hard because then I had wanted to be a mom my whole life and I had wanted this newborn phase to look a certain way. And instead it looked like my husband and I angry at each other and me having thoughts of like, well, I could do this myself yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And then one day we're just worked up. It's probably like six weeks later, which is, it feels in hindsight too much, too late. But if you're not working through it, the issue's not going away. And I stood in the hallway and just broke down and sobbed holding my baby. I can actually picture what I was wearing that exact moment. I just sobbed and my, the real truth came out. I'm tired. I am so tired. I am deep to the center of my bones tired. And just like that, everything lifted 
And it was like, well, the answer is sleep. You have to prioritize sleep and not what you think your sleep and the baby's sleep and your husband's sleep should look like. I was actually trying to tell him like, you know, give him jobs and tell him what to do. And he was waking up and we were just, no one was sleeping. Like I was like, okay, your job is when the baby wakes up, you will be awake with me (laughs) and you will get the pillow. And it was like, and it was letting go of that control, letting go of that expectation. And then from there on out, we still prioritize sleep and it's what works for us in this season of our life. So I think that's really brilliant advice the grace and the sleep and all of that. Yeah. And it's, I, it's funny cause at the, I had a similar at six weeks with my daughter. I remember hitting kind of a similar wall and it was like, I, I just sort of sat there and realized it was like the six week mark. I was like, Oh, this is my life now. Like I'm not going to get continuous sleep for more than three or four hours for the next year, mm-hmm. maybe longer. Mm-hmm. And when I accepted that reality, yeah, it became a lot easier. Yeah, It's sort of that same kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't quite... I mean, I, I read about it and I knew that you didn't get a lot of sleep and everybody joked in your pregnancy mm-hmm. like, oh, I'll get the sleep in now. And I, you know, it's, a, it's one thing to like hear it and try to plan for it. And then another to be in it and I, then to I agree. accept it. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I think actually... Both of these stories are, you know, a, when you let go of expectations and drop that speed bump, that wall that you're holding on to, it actually clears, it clears the way, yeah. you know, walking through it just makes it dissolve and disappear and accepting what is, is yeah. really powerful. And how to just, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, there's not like a prescription or a, a, like, I now accept that my husband is not going to be as helpful as I wanted him to be. Uh-huh. Right? There's not like a there's not like a moment that you can just pin to and say like, "Okay, now I'm going to accept it." A lot of times it is going to come naturally. Like you're going to hit that wall yourself and you're not going to know where, when that wall is. Right. Um, but I think that like I kept mentioning like the, the first step is awareness. Like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, I'm really tired. Like I I'm yeah. really not saying things like I normally am. This isn't really who I am and not really what I want to, you know, be portraying or whatnot, whatever it might be. And just take a, take a pause. Oftentimes it's hard to pause mm-hmm. and really just sort of check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. That often can lead to the next steps of, okay. Like, yeah. That is going to be a common theme on the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, just slowing down. Um, because we live in this very fast paced life, we're expected to bounce back We're, you know, this gets into the societal expectations. Again, we're expected to literally bounce back, fit into pre-pregnancy genes, all of these different things, these messages that are um, fed to us that are impossible for a lot of us or just not ones that serve us. So anyway, that, that is that's bothersome to me, but we're going to slow down and we're also going to realize that our initial reaction is just that it's our initial reaction to things. It's not the whole story. You know, I was overly tired. My initial reaction was, (laughs) I'm not sure I want to do this. (laughs) And that was just the initial reaction. The acknowledgement part is really important. Um, beyond the first step of acknowledging, which I, I firmly believe mm-hmm. what you said, it is the first step. If a mom is struggling with loss of expectations or needs them to change and motherhood doesn't look or feel like she thought it would, um, what advice yeah. would you have for her? Like practical tips of, of things that she could do? Yeah, I think one of the more important things is 
um, to reach out and talk about it, verbalize it. Um, sometimes we, it's that mama guilt thing again, mm-hmm. where sometimes we're a little scared to say that this isn't what I thought. Like maybe it's breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have this vision of what breastfeeding would be like, and it's actually hard and uncomfortable and it makes you cringe even a little bit and mm-hmm. it's, it can be painful and you know and sometimes just saying out loud like I don't enjoy this mm-hmm. like I don't enjoy especially in the beginning it does get easier but in the beginning it can be really intense mm-hmm. and by saying that you might feel like you're not being a good mother mm-hmm. right right the honesty element so the honesty coming. but it, you know it's again so it's it's like letting go like Try to not have that judgment on yourself because more likely than not, the mama, you're, if you're sharing with a friend, they've been there mm-hmm. or they've been somewhere similar and they can understand, you know. So um, I'd say sharing, verbalizing, let it out. Um, as we talked about too, like that, just accept, not accept, it's the... Oh, it's okay. <laughs> mommy brain, it's Mommy brain, it totally happens. It's fine. Um, all right. The awareness. So it's awareness. And then when you're aware, share, mm-hmm. um, share out with, if it's a doula, a friend, like I was saying, um, I think also a, an important piece is perhaps ritual. Yeah. Um, so finding, finding a ritual of release that might be helpful for you. So if you found a pattern or something you're holding on to, um, you know, if there's something you can do to really help move it through. So like that's almost like stuck energy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, rituals can look different for many different people. It could be going um, on a walk. It could be getting into the ocean and letting the ocean kind of cleanse it off of mm-hmm. you. Um, I don't know. It could be anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. And I want to ask you more um, about your rituals that you have for you? Like, what do you personally use? Well, some of the, some of that. So I I feel like getting in nature is really Mm -hmm. powerful. Um, and we're very fortunate here in Maui that there's a lot of nature to be had. Yes. Yes. Um, I remember going on long walks in the forest with my daughter and oftentimes just me and her, maybe your dog and, and it just sort of like, letting letting nature take some of that or like feeding off mm-hmm. the energy of that freshness mm-hmm. um that really helped me a lot in accepting so taking that ritual of just being outside changing my scenery mm-hmm. um that really helped with us I love that you mentioned that because when people hear the word ritual I'm not 100% sure that that is what people think of I think for a lot of people ritual seems really like woo woo and mm-hmm. out there, and I don't think it is. Um, I have rituals I do as well, but I think to take some of the stigma off of it, um, I kind of want to point out that our society already has rituals and mm-hmm. marks and celebrates transitions mm-hmm. um, in birthdays. Yeah. You know, birthdays are a transition. It's a marker. It's a special day. But I mean, is it? A, we made it a special day through ritual. <laughs> um, right. But it's the changing of a year. It's the marking of a whole year lived and a, a whole year to come. And we do it with, uh, gosh, cake. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. an ironic candle that people think lighting candles, you know, is like a ritual thing is like all woo woo. And right. actually we do it every time we go to a birthday party. We invite our community to mark the transition by hosting birthday parties. And most of us don't see cake and parties in this light. But to me, it's the same thing. It's not weird to light a birthday candle to mark a transition. Right. To me, it's not weird to mark a transition of a mindset shift. And I almost think that by having these resources, like knowing that you can go for a walk or Mm -hmm. get out in nature or connect in nature um, and just let go in those Mm -hmm. moments, it's like the ritual of practicing letting go. Um, I just went to mom's group the other day and I was not in the mood, (laughs) but we went to EL and it's the freshest of the freshest air. And we're by the river, by the water. I'm talking. I'm reaching out. I'm connecting with this mom friend, saying all these things that you did. And by the time we got in our car, I was like, ooh, we got this. It was a complete change of energy. It was a transition. It was the, And my hang-up, ironically, was expectations. I was expecting mm-hmm. our day to look a certain way, and I was expecting it to be super productive, and yeah. I was expecting it to be all these things, and expecting my two-and-a-half-year-old to listen <laughs> and not run away. And, it, you know, just let going, letting go of that and being, I didn't have to worry about her running away anymore right Uh, it fixed itself yes life gets a lot easier and Mm -hmm. I I mean in motherhood and in partnership you know I think it's um that's something that I really learned as well as as my husband and I navigated being parents together of you know a special needs daughter that had some pretty extreme needs you know it was it was like just like you mentioned you know with your story like you know, I wanted my husband to be up with me and to, mm-hmm. you know, grab the pillow for me and make sure my water glass was full and um and all of that is is very nice and, and some of it definitely we need. But at right. the same time, there's some things in the partnership and parenthood that are tied together that once you kinda let some of it go and what you thought your role would be and their role would be mm-hmm. and your child's role would be, mm-hmm. then again that ease Yes, I'm nodding ferociously. I'm over here just like, yes, yes, (laughs) yes, and more yes. I, I, yeah, and as you mentioned all those things, I don't think any of them is over the top or expecting too much, but at the same time, it's that energy we bring to it. Like, he was happy to do it if I wasn't barking at it, you know, and I definitely wasn't like expressing my needs in a healthy way. It was more like, no, I expect you to do this, and almost like as a I hate to say this. It's embarrassing, but like punishment. Like if I'm going to be punished like this, yeah. you're going to be punished like this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> valid feeling. Oh, man. Um, I do want to mention too, though, that in my journey with my daughter, um, it wasn't just this easy, right? It wasn't like I went and took a yeah. walk in the in the forest and I was able to let go of the fact that my daughter was never going to look me in the eyes and tell me, Mommy, I love you. In fact, I had to do um, quite a bit of grieving over the loss of what I expected motherhood to be. And I had to allow that grief to come in um, and not feel guilty about it and, mm-hmm. and, you know, let it be. So that that was an important part of the journey. And that's where, again, these rituals helped me through that. But I just want, you know, if a mama is listening and having, like, it could be much smaller than, you know, my, my story is a big example of it. But... You know, it could be, you know, that breastfeeding wasn't quite what you expected. Maybe it was, you thought you were going to go back to work at six weeks and you're finding that that's actually a lot harder, you know, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. you can still grieve the fact that it wasn't what you wanted it to be, Mm -hmm. you know. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. makes total sense. And I think it is important that you said that because 
Melly's beautiful. The nature here is beautiful. And those are rituals can be beautiful. Birthday cakes are beautiful, you know? But sometimes grief and the loss of expectations can also look really ugly yeah. at times. It's a lot of ugly crying and yeah. a lot of um, the opposite, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but not staying in that mm -hmm. and moving forward. Yeah. Um, I'd love to end this episode with practical ways moms can process the loss of expectations. Just kind of recap mm -hmm. everything that we talked about. Because we all have an idea of what motherhood is, mm -hmm. whether it's a societal idea about it or our own idea about it or one we carry into motherhood from mm -hmm. childhood, right. what it should be, and then it unfolds as it actually is, which a lot of the time doesn't align with what we thought it would be because that's life. So big or little shift, um, what moms can do to help with the loss of expectations and grieve it and move on in a healthy way. So step one is acknowledge it, which I think is really powerful. And I'm really glad you pointed that out because I think it's a, a step that's missing in a lot of our processes is acknowledging it and then approaching it. Honestly, you had mentioned ritual, having rituals um, that fill you up, that mark transitions, mm -hmm. um, mindset shifts, things like that, and, and seeing them as helpful and normal and not something that's woo-woo. Right. <laughs> um, community support. Yes. That's big. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. feel like you had a lot of community support? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, we had, a, we had, I mean, our community showed up in a way that was very surprising. Part of that was social media, um, just in the fact that, you know, we would, you know, people were following our story and they're following our journey. And um, my daughter had a pretty wide impact but it was also our close friends here and family um, that really stepped up in a big way. And part of that was allowing them to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think yeah. you did that by sharing your story yeah. and being honest about it. Yeah, exactly. I so it's, that. you know, I always, you know, I always really encourage new mamas um, when a friend comes over to after you've given birth and they want to come see the baby and they want to see you. Um, and they say, Hey, can I, what can I do to help you? I know it's a really hard question because there's so much that you actually need help with, but you're not going to ask. Right. Like my dishes or yes. my laundry. Yes. And, um, but we're often too shy to just yeah. say. Or like, lasagna and cheesecake yes. because that's what I'm craving. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And so, um, allowing people to help you yeah. is huge. It's part of this whole process. Um, and, and building up that community. Mm -hmm. And, and on that note, it might not be the, you know, it might not be the community you thought it would be. So it might be that your own family has a lot of really strong expectations mm -hmm. that they're putting on you. Or you might not even live near that family. This I mean, the true. expectations yeah, can be there away. whether they live there or far away, but yeah. Yeah. So I, you might be finding it in other moms who have had similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and finding those groups, you know. That's great. Um, and then in those groups, talking it out. Yes. Um, you know, play groups, mom's group, all of that. For me, it's not about organized activities. It's about just letting it out and being honest about it and just saying like, hey, I'm struggling with this today. Might seem fickle, might seem weird, might seem whatever, but I need to just get the truth out, my truth out, process it that way. And I think the more that I do that, 
the more that I'm just like, hey, I'm having a hard day. This sounds strange, but you know, I'm not sure I should feel this way, but I do. Mm -hmm. And every single time I've been met with compassion and understanding and moms surprising me and saying, I feel the same way. Right. Yeah. And if none of these are an option or none of it feels like enough, um, would you recommend people seek out professional help? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there's always a point where, you know, you can try these things. Um, and if you're finding that you're still looping back into the same, same feelings, same situation, um, by all means, you know, there's, there are people who are professionally trained to help, mm-hmm. um, help you work through some of those issues or some of those hang-ups or you know sometimes it's it can really roll you into something like postpartum depression mm-hmm. um I had a friend who and I had no idea this is what make, breaks my heart I had no idea she had postpartum depression but she couldn't breastfeed um her milk just never came in it was a it was a physical thing that just happened mm-hmm. um and she felt like a complete failure as a woman and as a mother because she couldn't feed her baby and that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. That would be huge for most mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she eventually, you know, moved into, you know, formula feeding her baby and, and came to terms and found a new rhythm and a new, like, acceptance with it. Mm-hmm. But she um, she was only really able to do that with um, trained help. Yeah. So it sometimes it really takes that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is great, and I think it's been very powerful, and I'm super excited that you're going to be one of our repeat guests, Um, because one of the things I want to do on Elevating Motherhood is have repeat guests, because I would like for us to be known as moms for more than one thing, because we're very multi-everything, and I'd rather go deeper than just, you know, boop, just talk about this one Oh, this one topic or with this one person. So thank you for going first. And um, gosh, starting out the conversations that we're going to have about expectations, about motherhood, about sisterhood, all of these things. So I super appreciate you being here. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, they can do that. Uh, they can visit my very limited website but it's there it's called mahinamama.com this is my contact information um yeah if you're feeling like you want to share or or have similar things you want to you want to talk about by all means you can email me call me that's really lovely thank you for that that's awesome and thank you so much for being here and i am so looking forward to our next conversation too thank you thanks that's it for this episode of elevating motherhood Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening.